Right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Amateur Podcast. Um, this is more of an off-the-cuff podcast, I should say. I'm delighted I'm getting the opportunity to do this one. Um, I won't oversell the guests too much because I know it's not something he'll want, but I love him because of his data websites. He's already saved me about two hours each week in stack collecting. Um, and his dedication to the Championship Manager game is immense, given he only has a fit team and he doesn't play the game week to week. So you may know him on Twitter as... And Fandango, you may know him as Lordy Leroy. Um, but which one to call you? It's good to have you on. We'll go with, we'll go with Clem. <laughs> Clem, Clem is a better name. Yeah, neither of them are my real name, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's we, a pleasure. I'm a big fan of the podcast. So yeah, pleasure. I guess we started speaking a little more closely a few weeks back um, after I made some assumptions on one of my previous pods relating to strikers in our sim. Um, it was my unproven opinion then that teams had sort of dedicated strikers, first and second strikers, um, and it was always the kind of second striker that went off. And then from there, we went on to look at um, other factors with strikers as well in terms of whether their rating had an impact on substitutions and, and things like that. So I, I, I guess we've sort of looked at it together now that we've had sort of a bit more of a deep dive, shall we say, into strikers, and there's various factors that may be worthwhile people knowing. Um, whether it's whether someone's a premium, whether someone's a backup, whether it's whether the average rating is any better and who may or may not go off a substitute. So we, we started looking at it more with the premiums, I think, first, Vanessa over Duke, Shearer, Phillips, etc. Um, then so you, you've gone off and done a few little, um, you've got to look at a few different things to do with that. I made a few little tables that are really helpful for everyone. So if, if you just want to go, like, sort of talk us through what you, what made you want to have a look into this sort of stuff and I suppose, more importantly, what you found out. Yeah, so like, like you say, it started a few weeks back and it was it was from something that you mentioned one of your podcasts that um, you noticed that, that forwards tend to get subbed more often on a lower average, sorry, a lower player rating. So I thought, oh, I thought that'd be a nice challenge just to have a look at that and just delve through the database and see was there any pattern in the player rating of the player and whether they got subbed or not. So I put together a chart and um, this was on a tweet I did on uh, April the 21st and it was looking at on the, on the x-axis was the player rating going from, I mean, there's only a handful of player ratings of five or 10, um, but most, most forwards will get a rating between six and nine. And then I was looking at the distribution within their player rating of how often they got subbed or not. So within the player rating of nine, I don't think there were any substitutions. So if you forward, is, is pulling a player rating of nine, then the manager's not going to pull them off. You know, they might be on a hat trick and they're not, you know, the crowd's not going to get the chance to cheer them off. They'll stay on the pitch for the full 90. Um, in the player rating of eight, which was, you know, a more common player rating, there was only a handful. I think there were five cases where the forward got subbed off on a player rating of eight. But I think these are kind of nuanced cases where, like, I think it was Boxage twice, who I think has had sort of issues with stamina perhaps and condition so he got pulled off more I think for the condition rather than because of a poor player rating um, and then player rating of seven there's certainly a lot more substitutions it's about sort of 20 to 30 percent of the time the forward will get substituted if on a player rating of seven um, and then the rating of six is actually most of the time if, if the forward's on a rating of six they'll get subbed off so more often than not if they're on a six, they're not going to make the full 90 minutes. And yeah, and then the handful of five cases it is still, yeah, the majority of cases they'll get substituted off. 
there's definitely a like like you mentioned on the podcast um, a few weeks ago there's definitely a, a strong trend of um, forwards getting subbed off on lower player ratings it's good to know for definite I think I was pretty sure that I knew how it worked in terms of like red cards being game. so if a team for example has a player sent off I was pretty sure the default move then was that the team would substitute a striker and then bring on someone else who was able to play in the position that um, was now vacant because of the red card um, so it could be like a new sub keeper or something keeper got sent off or a new left back whatnot. I knew it would be a striker that would go off for that it seems to be quite common the team would move to one up front um, because we know that teams don't really switch formation um, when it's a red card, so it's just they replace a striker. And I kind of knew as well the striker who got substituted was going to be one that had the lowest average rate at that point in the game. So, if, for example, if Maggie United had Bartes sent off after five minutes at that moment, if York was playing a seven and Van Nistelrooy a six, it would be Van Nistelrooy that would go off. Um, I think we yeah. saw it in season one with him. I think in one game he got taken off very early on because of a Maggie United red card. Um, and say so the game doesn't take into any take into account who's got a lower fitness at that point or any, or how many goals that they've scored in recent matches. It was literally just based purely on average rate in, in that one game. But I knew yeah, it that's with, right. with, with red cards, but I didn't know it in terms of average rating and sort of more general sort of substitution. So that's I guess that is quite handy to know that and I'm, I know we didn't really look into this too much, but if someone's playing at home, I think it's sort of a common thing that you'd expect to happen that the player would have a higher average rating if they've got the higher average rating then I, I, I guess it's fair to say here that um, if you've got a, a forward player at home they're pretty much more likely to get the 90 minutes aren't they it's going to be the way strikers that are probably going to be I don't think we've been into this too much I'll probably just throw you under a bus a little bit on the yeah. pod no actually <laughs> you, you, you don't even know this but I've been looking on my own uh, on the sidelines about the, the difference between home and away and, and all these sort of things to do with like um do uh, it's all kind of you think everyone knows this sort of stuff but i've been just looking at the data to, to confirm it like do players get more points at home compared to away by position you know forward midfield defender do they get more bonus points do they get a better average rating so yeah i have been i've been looking at that um, myself so yeah like you say um, as you'd expect um, forwards get more points they get more bonus points they get a better average rating more shots everything basically is better at home as you might expect so yeah. like, like you say it follows that if they're going to get a better rating that as I mentioned before they're more likely to stay on and it's also something I looked at um, that, that, that followed my initial tweet on April the 21st um, was that yeah the forwards are more often subbed than other positions so goalkeepers, like once in a blue moon, they're substituted. Um, and then defenders are the next most likely to get substituted. And then midfielders and then forwards are like significantly more likely to get substituted than any other position, which kind of matches what you were what you were saying before, that you know, if there's a red card or something, then it's more likely the forward gets pulled off. So you want three home strikers every week because they're gonna get 90 minutes, they're more likely to score, they're more likely to get bonus. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah it's I think everyone knows this, but yeah. It's well, maybe not people that are maybe new to the second season are still getting their head so. around some parts of it and I think even the experienced ones it's good to have like actual evidence for it that mm. it happens I think that there is a lot of assumptions in this game myself included sometimes um, and I feel like I understand it fairly well but yeah it's good that we've actually got some data to back it up now yeah I mean I quite like sort of playing around with the data and doing analysis so if anyone has any 
things they've thought would be like, oh, it'd be nice to see if this this does that. Or well, shared it this week, didn't you? Someone look at it, yeah. Christoph Sam that asked you this week to do some Paducah, or, or I mentioned to you about Paducah oh, yeah. and the yeah. and stuff. So um, we have to talk about it now, but it's just, again, I'm sure you're more than happy to uh, figure around in a data for people with this like particular questions they want. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I did um, quite recently, a couple of days ago, I think, I just did a chart looking at comparing Paducah versus Larson. Obviously, there's there's limited limited sample size because I think Larson only came in game week 21, but it was just a chart with um, six different metrics like their minutes played, their goals, their assists, um, shots on target, and shots. Just so you can see side by side um, how the two of them compare. I think from the data, I'd, I'd give the edge to Larson, and given his lower price as well, um, it, I mean, it's you know. I'd give the edge to Larson, but then I think I saw on CM Fantasy's video that it is, you know, it's just a toss-up. It's just going to be a look of the draw, isn't it? In terms of it could be Paducah that gets a brace, it could be Larson that gets a brace. It's it's almost 50-50. So you're just relying on luck a little bit, unless you've got both of them. Well, I'm pretty confident about both of them. It, it yeah. kind of leads on to this to this next section. So I been digging around on one of your um platforms, looking at the um the, as you call it, the team one, where you can chip minutes, for example, mm. nicely colour-coded when someone started or been brought on as, as a substitute, which is really helpful. And the, the chunky boxes are quite helpful to a good gauge as well. So I was having a route around on there and trying to work out sort of the premium strikers versus the second strikers, I'll call them, per club. I pulled out some data from there to see how it actually happened. So I'll run through them sort of one by one. So Arsenal first. So Thierry Henry has started 18 games and finished 18 games. Four times he's been taken off when he started. Um, compared to Jeffers, who has played the full 97 and gone off on five, Bergkamp started uh, played the full 90 on three and gone off on three. Kanu, full 95, gone off on nine. So obviously the other, the other strikers for Arsenal, should we say, that's 15 times they've completed um, 90 minutes. And 17 times, whoever the second strike has been been taken off compared to Henri 18 and 4. But although Henri, I think, is one of the more prone premium strikers to go off, he's still clearly less likely and considerably less likely to go off than whoever he's playing up front with. So, That's again, right. these things are quite helpful. I've gone through all the premiums. I talked from a one-by-one. So, Lee, strangely, you haven't taken a striker off in a game since game week 21. I think that was Larson's debut against Millwall. And he got, yeah. I think he may have got injured, which is why he went off. That's right. That's right. He, I think the game said it was just a normal substitution, but I think his condition had like, cut, you know, gone down to zero or something. So it was really an injury. It's quite interesting for this week. So since game week 21, no subs for lead strikers. In the opening 12 game week, there was only one sub. And look at their strikers. Vaduka only subbed off once. Smith only subbed off once. Larson only subbed off once. Dean only subbed off twice. So it's pretty likely whatever two do end up playing up front fleet, both of them, we tend to play the full 90 minutes. So I was probably wrongly assuming because usually Smith, it could have been anyone else, but normally Smith is on the pitch and he's got quite a high rep, that he would be more likely to be brought on as a sub compared to other substitutes with like a lesser rep. But looking at what your data shows on your website, it doesn't seem to happen. It seems like the two strikers do play the full 90 minutes. Yeah, I wonder if that's. I wonder if it's to do with like player rating. That if you know if they are getting ratings of eight or nine, then as I've said, that 
if you're getting a rating of eight or nine, you very, very rare that the, the player will get subbed off. So, Andy, for Leeds, though, this week, if you're going to get one or both, I think you've got quite a strong chance of getting the full 90 if you're going to go there. I think so. Um, on to Newcastle. So Shearer only subbed off twice. Now, both very early subs. Now, I haven't gone back through to find the reasoning for that, but he, I think they're both sort of 20 minutes into games. Um, so he, I would say, is unlikely to go off unless he's injured. And then Court is 13 start, uh, 13 lots of 90 minutes, seven times substituted. And my favourite pronunciation, uh, pronunciation is Oloyoy. I, I still haven't worked I'm out. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's currently on two ninety minutes and then three times subbed off. He obviously starts again this week as per the leak as well. So it's probably likely he's gonna go off again uh this week yeah. based on what's happening with him. Uh on I'm to sure Frank- it's always been quite injury prone, hasn't he? So I wonder if those early subs were injuries or it said it's a sub, but it's it's really, you know, his conditions dropped to nothing. Yeah, that early in the game, I don't think you make a sub tactical reason or you take yeah. someone off on a low well, rating. It does happen sometimes, doesn't it? But you wouldn't expect to be Shearer. <laughs> and then we're on to the two two bankers, really. So Phillips, all 90 in all 27 games. Um, mm. So And Van Nistelrooy, the same, all 90 in all 27 games. So those two, if you want now strikers, are probably the two best ones to have. At Sunderland, Subon obviously is out of favour now. He got substituted five times in games and Libra has been substituted twice since he got into the team. So again, Phillips seems now those two um, may go off if there's a belly on or someone like that on the bench. And then Man United, we're at Van Nistelrooy, all 27, 90 minutes. York, uh, five substitutes, 21 for 90 minutes. which was again quite high for York. I thought he'd go off more than that. So 21 out of 27, he's played the whole game. So okay. I think he's quite helpful to own, uh, useful to own. He's quite lowly owned and he's quite a lot cheaper than Van Nistelrooy. Obviously, yeah, he hasn't scored quite as many yeah. goals. But I think he's got the goal in the Feyenoord game we saw on, on the data that got released as well. So he's, um, I don't think he's as likely to score as Van Nistelrooy, but I think he's probably under, underlooked with um, what he could do. And Andy Cole, two games, he's played the whole game and then three times he's been substituted. So... Um, it was that three other names I just wanted to mention here. Ramberg at Bolton, since he joined our game halfway through, he's played 90 minutes in every game. So I don't think he's very highly owned at all. He might even be under 1%, but he seems to be now to the full 90 every time if Bolton have got a good run. Deratos, the same at Everton, but that's only three matches. So that may be too small a sample, but keep in mind. And Hamilton Ricard at Middlesbrough, um, since game week seven, he hasn't missed a He's played all 90 minutes as well every time he's played Ricard. Whether that's because Boxy does get tired, so he has to go off. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. But just some, some thoughts on strikers there. That I think it is pretty clear from that that the premium striker at these clubs is more likely to play the full 90 minutes based on, I'm assuming that's on reputation rather than performance. I'm sure performance, as you touched on before, yeah. does impact it a little bit. But I think... If, if you've got an Henri and a Jeffers playing a seven, I do think it's more likely that Jeffers goes off than Henri, I think. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Based on the that, There's certainly some nuances in that. Like, I think I had a look at Arsenal in game week one where Henri did come off early. Um, and I think that was because uh, it was Carnu who came on from the bench. And I think um, Bergkamp was playing as like a drop forward. Is it AMC? Yeah. And then Henri was playing as a striker. So I think if Carney comes on and he can't play the AMC role, then the only person he can come on for is Henri. So, you know, I think if Bergkamp was playing striker with Henri in that instance, it probably would have been Bergkamp that came off. 
So Henri's still like the preferred striker, but if like he's the only striker on, he's so to bear in mind with Arsenal then that they they one of them teams like Tottenham. There'll be a few teams around Tottenham that can play the top striker. So mm-hmm. um, that's making a bit more at risk, I guess, if he's he's the only striker. I think they're the only probably the only team in this list that that applies to. I think. Um, but yeah, it's helpful if um, yeah, it's helpful to know that. Sort of the last area I was going to touch on is whether certain types of strikers excelled against certain opponents. So I looked at arguably the seven best strikers in our sim and I split them into three groups. So Luke only sent me the exact screenshots of these strikers from our sim to make sure I had the correct, like exactly the correct attributes for them. So I, I, I broke them down like into three categories. So sort of, I call them a physical sort of bully boy type striker and that's Viduka and Shearer. Uh, quick pacey strikers, Owen and Henri, and then what well, is called all-rounders, Van Nistelrooy, Phillips and Pocket, who don't kind of fit into any of those groups. So I, I, I basically made these groups purely by looking at attributes. So for physical strikers, I looked only at jumping, heading and strength as attributes to monitor. Pacey strikers, I looked at pace, acceleration and agility. And then all-round, I looked at all of those things, like those six areas, plus finishing off the ball and anticipation as well. So the all-rounders basically judged on nine attributes. And just as a little breakdown, so for the physical, so Luca's got 20 for all three of them, jumping, heading and strength, where Shearer's got 20 for jumping and strength, but 17 for heading. The pacey ones, um, it's Owen. Uh, so Henri has got 20 for pace acceleration agility. Owen's got 20 for pace acceleration, 19 agility. And then say the all-round, Nistelrooy um, is understandably the best. He's got over 16 for all of the nine attributes. Phillips, to be fair, his lowest is also 16, but he's got exactly 16 for five of nine. Where Van Nistelrooy's only got it for anticipation. He's got a few 20s in there as well. Hmm. Oxic is a little bit more random. He's got 10 for anticipation, for example, and 15 for heading. So his numbers are a bit lower. Hmm. Um, he's probably a bit more physical. Yeah, actually, probably a bit more pace, if anything. He's got 18, 18, 19 for the three pacey ones. But I, I tended to throw him more into um, all around. He doesn't have any drastic low ones, unlike um, Owen, for example, who's got four jumping. And uh, Henri's got 13 in 13 anticipations. So I think it's clear that he fits in the pace one. Yeah. So I looked into these things to try and just work out if there's anything we could, we could learn in terms of which teams who did better against oh yeah which, which sort of strikers did better against certain teams just some rough findings um, home to Aston Villa in our sim um, five shots for Shearer four shots for Viduka four shots for Boxitz five shots for Phillips so you're looking at four or more shots for like non-pacey strikers it seems like against Villa compared to Owen who only had two and Henri who only had one at home to Villa neither of those who managed to have a shot on target against Villa either so something to bear in mind if you've got, if you're looking at strikers at home to Aston Villa, maybe if you've got a choice of a couple and go for the pacey one, it seems like seems to be a, a sensible move because they're not doing very well. Um, pace may, maybe also struggles um, in some other instances. So I've got here at home to Leicester, uh, Phillips, five shots, Nistelrooy, four shots, Viduka, four shots, Henri, only two. Um, only one on target for Henri as well, where the others all had three or more. So maybe something to bear in mind, home games with Leicester, and go for pacey strikers. Um, everyone was good against Sunderland at home, for example. You've got Van Nistelrooy, six, Viduka, five, Henri, six. Um, flip side to that, Middlesbrough, everyone struggles. No one's had more than two shots against Middlesbrough yet in a home game. Wow. 
Duca, two shots, one on target. It's the best return so far. And home to Middlesbrough doesn't seem to be a good fixture for anyone. Um, but then for pace, we've got Cholton away. So on Ree, seven shots, six on target. Owen, five shots, four on target. And Phillips, again, six shots, four on target compared to uh, uh, Duca, only three shots. Box, it's only one shot. Um, but there's anything really in that. But if you're looking at pace, Cholton away is a good one. So maybe my mate Olahoy again, if he ends up playing away to Bolton, could actually be a better mm. asset than Shearer for that one particular game. Um, I, I don't know if we've quite got enough data yet to um, look into this. Feel free on, say, on, on Lloyd Leroy's other site. Um, I can't see the difference between the two sites, but it's the one where you can filter for loads of different attributes for different positions. All, all I literally did was ex- I got the uh, filter to like six or seven attributes I was looking at, so shot, shots on target, um, opposition, um, game week, etc., and then just exported it to an Excel. And as I only realised that after looking at the site for quite a while, that that was an option that you could export the stuff to an Excel. And well, I'll have to highlight it in like red or something to make it more obvious. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, but I, I didn't realise it's a lot easier to filter that way if you're doing it from there. So yeah, it, yeah. There's, a, there's lots you can do in the sites to play around with data. This is just strikers, but I'm sure there's lots to play around with 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 defences as well, maybe which ones get bonus against which teams and how yeah, that impacts yeah. that. I'm sure there's ways to look at bonus in as a comparison to how many key headers a person's getting in a game or something like that. There's, there's all sorts of, of double or triple ups of data that you can pop together and then see if work out any sort of trends or anything to follow from that. So if anyone yeah. wants any homework who's listening onto this pod, <laughs> um, they can they can take that away and do that and send it to me. That'd be massively helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy you're sort of looking at this. And I remember like James Alaprin, you know, the the master of the spreadsheets. He did a really great article where he, I think he'd, he'd exported a lot of the data and done some really clever stuff. You know, worked out which kind of kind of players you should you should look at for against certain kinds of opponents. Um, kind of kind of similar to what you you were doing there. So yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really happy myself. looking at it. It was quite yeah. hard to do it all myself. I went a bit deeper than you even. I was trying to work out, make a note who was playing right centre forward, left centre forward, for example. Yeah, I'd love to. It's not possible when you're... Yeah. Unless you only get given the strikers each week, not who's playing on what that's, side. That's, that's, my that's, home, that's my homework. Let's try and do that. <laughs> that's a manual job, though, 26 weeks of who's playing right and left and then put it in there yourself. I'll, I'll try... I have been looking at things where I can do some sort of image recognition, see if we can sort of recognise lineups. Um, from images, but yeah, it's not my forte. I'll, I'll, I'll try and crack it. Because it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be fascinating to have like a database of lineups, and then you can you know you can really dig into this. And but it, this yeah. site is a massive sort of growth from the first season. So I, I started collecting data myself sort of halfway through the first year. It's when I wanted to play my second wild card in the first season. I thought there's got to be some sort of trends we can take from what we've learned in the first sort of 18 game week. So I started to go through then and work out. It's when I found out that Honcho was better than Hippia for Polis. Ekiog was, yeah, yeah. was really good in away games compared to any other defenders when he was still at Middlesbrough. Oh, Ekiog, yeah. So I started doing things like that and I just taken it from there. And I say the start of this year it went on to a whole other level. I think I had about 2,000 rows in the Excel spreadsheet. I was manually inputting every week. And then you came up with this couple of genius websites and then it's all on there for everyone now. And it's even more information I had available to me from what I was collecting. So... Two websites are amazing to look at if anyone's got time and wants to dig around. And there's loads you can. I've, I've only probably looked at about 15, 20% of it already. So, um, I'd say if you've got questions for Lordy as well, specific things, 
could be not because you're being lazy. Hopefully you can go and find it out yourself first, anyone that's listening. But I'm sure it will help if there's like a burning question, for example, every week. Yeah, of course. That, uh, cool. that we might be able to use the data to find some stuff out for. Um, cool. So that, yeah, that was it this week, really. What the, the impact of, of, um, of average rating in terms of substitutes, the impact of a premium striker against a non-premium and if that had any bearing on substitutes. I think we've kind of touched on those two things. And then... Again, some look at some actual player attributes and what teams certain attributes work well against. Um, there are three things I wanted to look at today in terms of a bit more information about strikers for everyone that may help or confuse any upcoming transfers more than what they probably already do. Um, oh, I hope there's anything else, mate. Um, much appreciate having you on for a little chat about your uh, about all your hard work in the background. <laughs> and um, I'll, yeah, I'll, definitely, me. I'll definitely share some links to your sites for those that haven't seen them. Nice one. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks, Craig. Bye.